0: they are forced to take into account that they have to create enough space so that the people that are against these policies will at least be placated. And that sounds like a small thing, but it is no small thing because if you didn't have to do that, you would not have any space for future activism and future um, accountability.
1: Monica Perez back with a returning guest, a hero, the hero of the hour. We're here just in time to celebrate some great victories with the great Joni McGarry of no mandate, no questions, no compromises. What happened this week? Tell us, Joni. And how are you? And thank you for being here.
0: Well, thank you for that lovely intro. Um, I love your intro music, by the way. Um, what happened this week, a lot of colleges dropped mandates. And I think they used uh, the end of the emergency as cover because it's not like all of a sudden there is something different in the air, right? Or not in the air. But um, college mandates have been dropping like flies over the past couple of months and several, you know, many this week. But I need to say that there are about 400 that remain. Um, and some seem like they're walking them back in slow motion, like Princeton, they make like little changes to their website, but they don't announce same with Penn. Um, but, um, my son's school and the school that I'm organizing event at, uh, Dartmouth college dropped yesterday. Um, Dartmouth and Columbia, I think are the only two Ivies that have totally dropped.
1: Do you think that your work there was an influence on that?
0: You know, we will. Ne- nobody ever really knows because you're not privy to the, the decision-making. Um, I will say this, that if there was no resistance, right? If, if there weren't thousands of people resisting or writing letters or making their voices heard, they would do more and faster, right? So people can say, well, it's just a coincidence that the mandates were dropped, but I don't think so. I think if there had been no resistance at all, I don't think it would have been, I mean, they would have just rolled right into the next one without um, any hesitation. So I do think that activism and raising our voices makes a difference, Um, particularly at Dartmouth, because this event, which we'll talk a little bit more later, is being, you know, we're bringing the conversation right to their doorstep. Um, And I say we, I'm really just working in um, sort of an assistant role with some Dartmouth alums. But very exciting news. And, and, and even though it's a little too late and there hasn't been any Mia culpa, the harms are stopped now. For kids coming in as first years, they don't have to get this shot. So it's great news. So tell us about this event
1: if you would, it's it's not because I saw Dartmouth written on the flyer, but it's obviously not a Dartmouth sponsored event. Are you going to get like, you know, are you going to get sabotage like that federal judge at my awful, um, my shameful alma mater?
0: <laughs> You're not proud of that.
1: <laughs> not proud, not proud of Stanford Law School for inviting some, I mean, it's just bad yeah. manners. You invite yeah. someone and then heckle them like <laughs> the authority itself heckled him. That's kind of yeah. crazy.
0: Um, Well, it happens a lot at schools. Um, That happened to be a particularly egregious um, example. Um, Well, how this event came to be, um, a Dartmouth alum from 2000 named Michael Koss, he just was looking at the mandates and he felt that they weren't sound, that they weren't um, helpful, they weren't useful, and they could be uh, perhaps harmful. And he didn't think that they were right, that they were ethical or medically uh, necessary. So, he just wrote a, a, a very well-documented letter to Dartmouth, and you can find it at openlettertodartmouth.com. And he sent it to the, the, to the college, and he did get some engagement with them, but not as much as he had hoped because his, ho- he, his hope was that they would drop the mandates after they saw all of the actually great evidence that he right. brought to them. Which is very typical. You know, you think you're going to bring these people the data? You're like, yes. And they're going to say, thank you. We didn't know. But they don't. right? So anyway, so he he sent them that letter and he decided to send it to 20 other um, people that he had been in a fraternity with that he hadn't talked to in decades. Right. Right. And one guy wrote him back, and this guy's name named Christopher Dreisbach, and it turns out that Christopher Driesback, um himself was severely vaccine-injured from the COVID-19 vaccine. He um, was a practicing attorney, he had been a recruited college athlete, um, you know, a man in the fullness of his life and his prime, he has kids. Um, and he took the, um, the Pfizer vaccine and didn't feel well after the first one, but because there has been so much suppression of the actual clinical data. You know, doctors just didn't know. They don't know right. if you come in with symptoms that maybe it's a reaction to the vaccine and you might not want to take the second. Um, so he was very injured and that led him to do the great work he does now. He is the um, legal advisor for um, REACT-19. Um, so he and Michael got together and said, you know, we need to have an open dialogue and we need to invite Dartmouth to the table. So what they did is they decided they wanted to put up a roundtable discussion at the college, including panelists from Dartmouth who would support the mandate. And then they knew of me through Twitter because I do a lot—you know, I've done a lot of posting and I've done a lot of advocacy in the college arena. So they got in touch on Twitter. I know at some point I won't be. Why? Because I'm old. No,
1: (laughs) Well, you're wise. Start with that and that will get you thrown off. But because you say stuff that, I mean, Uh uh, Courtney Turner, she just commented on something that I had posted about the vax and she lost her account. And I didn't think it was that big a deal at all. I think it was like a database thing. I've gotten YouTube videos removed before they were even fully uploaded if people were talking about the vax. So uh, I just, I feel like since like Megan Kelly retweets retweets you, you're gonna have a little bit of cover in plain sight. I, I,
0: well, she I, just liked my hat. I did a hat. Um, well, it. she on knows you involved. exist, and
1: yes, she that's would know true. If, You know, if somebody told her you stopped existing. She would not. She would understand who it was. Yeah. So
0: that matters. Yeah, I've been lucky. I haven't had you know. I haven't gotten in trouble on Twitter, um, so maybe I'm not quite over the target, but I think I am. Um, Anyway, so they found me on Twitter and they got in touch and they said, let's put this event up. So long story short, I'm kind of going into too much detail. They in, they wrote a letter to Dartmouth. They invited them to send three panelists. Um, they said they, you know, because the intent is really an open and robust discussion. Um, but Dartmouth, as of this date, has declined to participate. But we are holding it at the Dartmouth-owned Hanover Inn, which if you've ever been to Dartmouth, it's a small college um, and it's not there's a quad where you get a small college, but I've recruited there. Who, I, I think I stayed oh, at the Han- I might have stayed at the Hanover. The Han- Inn. It's, I love yeah. the Hanover In actually, yeah. and it's Dartmouth owned. It's right on the the south side of the quad. So the event is going to be in two parts. Uh, there's a and stop me if this is too much detail. No, I, I like it. Of, I, yeah. I love being on your show. It's I love so it. pleasant. I'm So it starts at 3.30 and the afternoon panel was underwritten by a couple of generous donors. So it's, we've been able to make that free to the public and we've reserved um, a block of seats for Dartmouth ID holders because we want to get as many Dartmouth people in the seat as possible. And then we have general admission, which is completely sold out at this point. And it starts at 3.30. Kim Witzek is our moderator. She is an, an incredible drug safety advocate. She has you should have her on um, you can find her at kimwitzek.com or Woody matters she is really well versed in the FDA process and um, the potential harms of drugs particularly when um, side effects are not made known to the public and when the drug companies and the FDA know of them but they don't disclose them or they you know continue to keep them suppressed she is our moderator and then we have panelist Martin Coldorf um, Nassim Malhotra, who's joining us by Zoom, Brooke Jackson, who's the Pfizer whistleblower. I'm not going to go into detail because most of your viewers probably yeah. well, know i shared a screen
1: with her on Union of the Unwanted, which basically all of my viewers always hear because I put it through my podcast feed. So she she hasn't been a guest on my show, but she's definitely been on my feed. So people have heard her. And some of these other, you know, a lot of the other activists, they I do end up having the luxury, the privilege of being on a screen with them, even though I don't know them personally.
0: Um, yeah, she's, she's terrific. And, and then Joel Walskog, who is the co-founder of REACT-19, he's an orthopedic surgeon who can no longer practice because of his vaccine injury. Um, he is so eloquent on this topic. And uh, Dr. Sandy Ryder, who is a you know, decades, decades in practice, Vermont, Harvard-trained medical director, who is um, one of the founders of Physicians for Informed Consent. So that's the panel that starts at three thirty. That's going to run um, maybe close to two hours, and then we got a surprise this weekend. Robert Kennedy Jr. will be joining us. Um, I got a text on Saturday night saying that you know he wanted to attend, and um, we're thrilled because um, you know he just it lends such an interesting perspective. And he won't be there in the capacity of a presidential candidate, but it'll be on the heels of his announcement. Um, so he will be talking for about a half hour um, on the topic of the pandemic response, and then following that will be a donor reception and a dinner to benefit React Nineteen with Aaron Siri who's the keynote. So it's just going to be an amazing day.
1: So if any, if someone were wanted to see the panel or watch uh, RFK's speech, would it is it
0: going to be available? Yes. It's going to be live stream. And unfortunately oh, wow. um, I we don't have the live stream link. It will be on CHD TV. And if you want it, um, I'll get it to you for your show notes, if that's a thing or that's helpful, excuse yes. me, you can um, email us at info at and just ask to be put on the live stream list. And we'll get so, that link to you as soon as we have it.
1: So if I wanted to tweet it out while it was happening, people would not,
0: it, it's like, You have to register something? No, not for the live live stream. The live stream is completely public. Uh, You don't have to register. We are organizing college student watch parties. Yes, Um, there are a couple of like amazing volunteers who are doing that, and you know we really want to get this um, information across the country. And somebody might say, "Well, why? Because the mandates are over, COVID is over, let's just move on." But the conversation is more important than ever because if you look at the language of the colleges that are dropping, what they do is then they strongly suggest that everyone stay up to date. There's not, there's just a roll right into the next thing. And there's, there's no reflection and no like, Hey, let's get together and do a postmortem on this. And, and let's look at the harms of these policies, et cetera. Well,
1: I was looking at, um, what calls the school calls a declination form. You're declining. They have a mandate, but you can decline it. Right. And thanks to your help, I, I, I learned right away that they, this particular school, that does not refuse anybody's request at this point. So they didn't drop the mandate, but they will not refuse a request. However, when I looked, like they have a flu vaccine requirement. Mm. I mean that's yeah. just not going to happen.
0: <laughs> like, that's, you know? that's becoming increasingly common. And the concern about that, Monica, is that, you know, at some point the flu vaccine, it's going to be an mRNA vaccine if they have their way, right? Because they want everything on this platform because it's so elegant. Um, and that's very concerning because these products do not have a really great safety profile. And all oh, of this. You co- call it is elegant. So- I mean, Pardon I understand
1: me? elegant as a term of art, but why would you call it elegant? Cause it's, um, just such a
0: there, fancy new product, or is it elegant in a specific way? Well, I feel like as like a drug delivery system, it's elegant because it's like a plug and play. So you don't have to go. It, it's very quick to market oh, in terms of yes. You, you, pro, you okay? What's the code? You get you get the mRNA code. You get it done, and, and you're off to the races. You know. So it's a it's it's just a it's a platform that if it were completely safe. If, if it had some long-term safety data, um, that's what I mean by elegant. It's just it's, yes it's easy to get to market. I mean, look how fast they got to market with these products.
1: That just cracked, cracked a code for me in that I remember I did a lot of work on Event 201 when it first was happening, which was October 2019. I think I was aware of it by February 2020, where they were basically explaining what this novel coronavirus pandemic is. Are you familiar? You must be familiar with the yes, event. Yes, yeah. Okay. Yes. So they in that, there were seven calls to action that were on the Johns Hopkins website as a result of Event 201. And one of them was to have like a uh, vaccine stockpile that could be quickly customized and distributed for a specific new pandemic or whatever. And I... I, I was like, "How is that possible? How could you possibly like th- You have to like cultivate stuff to make a vaccine, and they were completely aware of what the what the future vaccines were going to be like. That's what they were preparing for.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, because this is basically it's it's a code, right? They're 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 assembling like an RMA, R- mRNA instruction to your own body to then produce, like yeah. in this case, the spike protein." So you are you become a little factory to produce this protein and that elicits an antigen response. Um, Do you know why they chose the spike protein? Did you in your reading come across that? I don't, but you know, it seems to me. I mean, it's such a toxic.
1: Why take the the thing that causes harm? When and from what I, Dr. Yeadon, I think it was said, like it doesn't matter where you take the segment. It doesn't matter at all, as long as it is part of this, part of the thing.
0: If it's attacked, it'll you know um, neutralize the antigen. Well, yeah, I don't know, and that's really outside of my lane. But what I can tell you about the spike protein, which is interesting, is um, it turns out that Dartmouth College, along with the NIH and Scripps Research, which you probably know, they are joint patent holders on a technology that stabilizes, and I it says, okay, a method to stabilize corona spike proteins for use as a vaccine antigen. So. What it does is it, it you, I'm not sure if it it's for the mRNA thing, but it, what it does is it makes the st- spike protein from a coronavirus in your body be the form that elicits the highest antigen response. So it's very useful in vaccines and it's used and it's been used in the coronavirus vaccine. So that is why Moderna paid $400 million to the NIH recently, which was split by the way with Dartmouth and um, Scripps research. And there's also been a revenue stream from um, other vaccines that are non Moderna. Um, So, And also, like, Penn has technology. They've raked in, I think, almost a billion dollars from these vaccines. And that in itself isn't a terrible thing. It's just that, you know, if you pull the camera back, an institution should not be mandating a product from which they get a revenue stream, you know, at the the very least. Not that they're making a lot of money off their college students.
1: I I read... I used to love Michael Crichton. He, he, he had a, he was a doctor and a writer and he actually could get to the bottom of all the science of it and everything. And one of the last things that he wrote, if not the last thing he wrote was called Next. I think it was called Next. And it was about patenting genes out of a person's body. That the person themselves does not have a gene, does not own the patent to it. You could own the patent to a person's genes, and he brought he brought out in that it's crazy, and I'm sure it's true right now. He brought out in that that uh, the way like government pays for the research in the university, and then like that money that we have invested gets absorbed by the university or it was like the university corporation kind of continuum where they end up being the patent holders they have incentives to push this stuff we actually paid for it and then i i take it to the next level and say like with the vaccine then we're not only a lot of our tax dollars goes towards subsidizing purchasing the vaccine we are literally forced or at least severely coerced in actually consuming it. You're not even allowed to like a normal thing you could consume and throw in the garbage. Like, I didn't really want this. I bought it to be nice. I'm throwing it away. They literally (laughs) watch watch you put it under your skin. And uh, to me, there's something so pathological about that. And that there's all the damage done and there doesn't seem to be any recourse compared to like where the the flu vaccine in the 70s had whatever 25 injuries and it was taken off the market and a uh, sixty minutes was made about it.
0: Right, right. And that would never happen today. There would be no 60 minutes about it. And you're absolutely right, there is no recourse because I think it's since the 80s. Um any vaccine on the schedule has complete financial indemnity. And this and the coronavirus or the the you know COVID nineteen shot has indemnity. You can't sue. Like if you get injured from this shot, you are on your own. You can't sue the manufacturers. You can't sue the person who gave it to you. You can't sue the person who mandated it to you, mandated it on you because of the PrEP Act, which covers all COVID countermeasures. Now, maybe the legal landscape on this will change. Um, There are a lot of people trying very hard on that. Um, But yeah, it's, I don't think people realize that vaccines are a very highly protected class
1: of products. And the PrEP Act made it worse. And then another thing that I think people – these – because we have such robust regulatory regimes and such a really – like a tort system that is notorious for bankrupting companies and destroying doctors, people have this false sense of security. Same thing with like libel laws or truth in advertising. I think all of those regulatory things that we've gotten used to as coddled Americans has, has made us the most gullible people in the world because we assume that anything we're consuming, whether it's media or a product or advertising is it would be true if, it, if it's not true or if it's not good or if it hurts people, it'd be sued out of existence. You'd be aware of it. Somebody would have taken it. Yes. And, and, and this is a case where what people don't realize. And, and the fact that something is free from liability is a terrible moral hazard. I mean, terrible moral hazard that you should just refuse it. I think India at one point was like, we're not taking your vaccine stuff over here because you refuse to let us you know, you're demanding this liability, um the insulation from liability. And you can. And we won't we won't do it. And then, of course, now they have their own. And um you know, I guess it, it probably is just as corrupt, but
0: internally, yeah, I, they I don't, don't care. know what happened over there. i just I do know. I do remember reading that the the contracts um with foreign with governments were just so punishing. For the government that, you know, basically the companies had, you know, full reign liability. And even if they infringed on somebody's intellectual property, they weren't, the companies weren't responsible. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's really, I think the good news is, I think this has brought a lot of people into questioning, you know, the system. Like if, if this product has these problems and the media isn't covering it and your doctor's not telling you and people are forcing you to take it you know, why aren't we asking questions? Why can't we talk about it? And I think that raises the alarm with people. And I think it's waking people up to be more curious and to start asking more questions. Not enough, not quickly enough.
1: I 100% agree with you that they, that they and people like, oh, who's they, who's they? Well, I will tell you the the day in event 201 was Johns Hopkins, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the World Health Organization, and a whole slew of corporate and governmental actors, including the CDC of the U S the CDC of China, those three were the hosts, but the rest of the world economic forum, these were all involved in planning how this thing would roll out. And I feel like they are, um, you know, people don't realize what's, what's behind it all. And, um, if, if there were not, I I think they wait and see what the reaction is, how much they can get away with. I think in some regards, they get away with or got away with maybe more than they had expected. But also there was a limit and they did kind of pull back because they could have just kept going until their vaccine mandates. If you look at what was happening in Austria, uh, they did actually mandate it where... they they would start taking money out of your bank account if I understood what the plan was correctly. And if, you know, they got that far in Austria. They didn't get that far here. They got that far in Austria. And and I don't, you know, I don't know where that stopped, but I feel like they do push as far as they can, but they also have to read the tea leaves.
0: Right. And I think that's why it's so important that people stand up and do something. I mean, you know, and I, I despair some days and I think, oh. You know, what it, it's not, it doesn't make any difference how many letters I send or how many times I speak up or whatever, but but it does make a difference. Because like I said at the top of the show, if there was no resistance, you know, they are forced, they, meaning policymakers at the college level, at the government level, at the pharmaceutical boardroom level, they are forced to take into account that they have to create enough space so that the people that are against these policies Will at least be placated, and that sounds like a small thing, but it is no small thing. Because if you didn't have to do that, it would it, you would not have any space for future activism and future um, accountability. I mean, we're holding space for for that to happen. Well, one thing that I always find really important, and
1: I don't know if I've spoken to you since I started talking to Anthony Raimondo. Did I? Did we talk about who Anthony
0: Raimondo is? Yes, I do. I mean, I, I I've been on. I was on Buck's podcast with him. At the very beginning. Yes. One thing
1: he did, it it seemed like such a simple thing. And he claims that, that for whatever reason, it's just, it boggles my mind that I said, why didn't all the lawyers do what you did? Which was apparently, if I understand it correctly, at least in Fresno, when they issued uh, like a blanket, businesses have to close. Yes. That you, the business would have a right to a hearing. And because the courthouse was closed, and I guess they hadn't had it like all Zoom ready or whatever, they weren't entitled. They didn't get their hearing. So they stayed open. And all he had to do was just request a hearing or show them how to request a hearing. And he would do it free for any business who asked. And they stayed open. And I said, Well, why didn't, you know, I kept calling for that. I was like, Where are the lawyers? Like, I don't know what the process is, but somebody's got to start the process. And he said he just felt like they there was a stigma attached to doing stuff like that, which to me is just preposterous because the whole thing seemed like a joke, like it seemed, uh, you know, like a a plot. Maybe because I had known about Event Two Hundred One, I don't know, but I was horrified that people were just self-chilling lawyers who are used to fighting. But he, yeah, so he did that, and I've always felt like what he was doing and what other people have done, like you, is keeping the process. Going, if you don't assert, if you don't use the process, it gets it shrinks up. Either people aren't aware of it or it's a de facto, like if you acquiesce completely, if you do not fight back, there is a um a kind of reliance element to you know, if you're if you it's even like if somebody builds a fence on your property. I mean, if you let it go, eventually they own a little bit more of your property. Like you have to, you have to correct yeah. these wrong things or they, people say, well, well, you know, why didn't you say anything? And I feel like with the process, especially, you have to really hold the lawyers, the judges, the lawyers have to hold the judges really responsible for making good decisions. And you want to rush to get those decisions made by lawyers you can trust instead of controlled opposition stuff who might be trying to set precedents, give a weak case so that the other side will win and set a precedent that maybe isn't a great precedent by legal standards, but it's a, a victory for you know, the people who would encroach on our rights in a way that might otherwise might've been adjudicated differently if you'd really fought the good fight.
0: No, I, 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 you know, so much more about the legal system than I do. I think just topically I've been really disappointed in, I mean, well, first let me say there are some amazing lawyers who have gotten right into this fight and who have worked tirelessly pro bono or for very little money. Yeah. Brian Festus, uh, we,
1: the Patriots USA, um, they, I mean, I think he quit his job and just like works full time on this, this, and people are pro bono. Yeah,
0: yeah we're doing this. And, you know, um, Aaron Seary has just been, you know, a hero in this arena. Um, Kevin Barry in the Northeast, Jim Amigas, um Walter Mendenhall. And I, I know in um, Dana Weaver in New Jersey, many attorneys have really done a lot of great work, but by and large, They've been sitting on the sidelines and the courts have not been great on these issues either. Um And doctors, it's the same thing. I mean, where are these people? And I think a lot you of think? them are just, they're asleep. Um, and they don't, they, some, yeah. I, well, yeah. at first I think we were all afraid. I wasn't.
1: And only because, only because I read the eventual one, I was shocked when people started getting sick. I couldn't believe it. Oh no. You didn't think it would really it's happened. Like it could be like as a smallpox. I was like, I think this thing is completely made up. And then, as soon as the vaccine rolled out, was a I, I the first person I met who had gotten vaccinated like the day before. I got I got sick like the next day, and I knew it. I was like, "Holy crap!" Like, wow. you're you know that stuff could be crawling out of your face right now and showing up. But the all the people I knew, I, I, I all of a sudden it just like started happening where people were getting sick like crazy. But it was only after the vaccine rolled out, but I did realize then that it was real. And I was, I was huh. super sick.
0: It's funny. I, I knew like I was afraid it in the beginning. And then I think the minute somebody said the word vaccine, I thought, oh, yeah, here we go. And I, it, I don't remember exactly, but I think that's when I realized that something wasn't right. Were you suspicious of vaccines before that at all? No, gosh, not at all. No, no. And never thought about it. And, you know, my kids on the schedule, jab, 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 you know, didn't think twice about it. Um, I, I don't know. Like a lot of people say, oh, you're an anti-vaxxer. I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> like, you know, am I an anti, am I, an, am I an anti-Fiat driver? Cause I don't want to drive a Fiat, you oh, know, that's like, funny. Yeah. I, I, it's just, it's, it's so patently absurd, but you know, I, I never thought about it. Now I think about it, you know, and and one of the things that I wanted to mention on this um, in this discussion, is you know the COVID vaccines were the thing that was the bridge too far at the college level for a lot of people. Like you didn't see this big of a movement when like they had to get meningitis, or you know now the flu is going to be an issue. But you know in California, as you probably know, there's the HPV mandate. I, that of- one
1: I did stop. Okay, short of. a hat tip to uh, Higher Side Chats for having a couple of gals who wrote a book about how the. The trials have the adjuvants in them. The control right. has the adjuvants the control, right. in them. And as soon as they said that, I was like, oh not a control. <laughs> you know, not that's a control. Obviously and totally untested thing. And I'm completely not doing it. I bought the book for my pediatrician. Oh, the
0: HPV. Yeah, I
1: know Yeah. TV. And he told yeah. me I was, um, he said, Well, people used to be afraid of werewolves too.
0: Right. No, I
1: I, I was like, What? Well, I this is a book that has information in it, like. I mean, I'm not afraid of a werewolf. Like, what (laughs) are you talking about?
0: It was so crazy. I was like, "Are we what?" But but you should know in California that the bill there's a bill. um, It's called AB 659, and it was um, it's been amended. But they were going to put it through and require that any student going into eighth grade must have the HPV vaccine. And so it didn't pass. And then they are amending it, and now the amendment is that. College students going to any of the state California schools must get the HPV vaccine, and there are no religious exemptions and only medical exemptions. So, oh boy. and when you read about you, that
1: one, I mean, yeah. I, I really feel like it's like the opposite. Like it actually, from from that, I, I mean, I didn't do the research, but I remember listening to that. Like it's been, it causes cancer. Like it's been shown in some cases to actually increase the risk of cancer.
0: Yeah, I don't know anything about that data. What I will say is you don't have a choice if it's mandated and and you will, and and also you, and that's that's see, like that's my thing like whatever i think about these products you know whatever i know or don't know about them there are requirements if you're going to have a medical mandate which i think you should never have but let's just say there's some situation where you'd want a mandate you've got an ebola like thing that's spreading rapidly and you have a product that will stop it in its tracks highly effective highly safe then maybe you discuss a mandate, right? Because you got to save humanity. None of these conditions have been met, has been met in any of these things.
1: There were literally t-shirts in Africa that said Ebola is real. They had like, they had like billboards and stuff. So there was a lot of suspicion about what was really causing Ebola in Africa. So I would even say, wow. sorry. Uh, okay.
0: I, would say I don't, don't want to okay. blow up All your head
1: right. uh, but I'm just like, you know, I, because this is the thing, like you can keep, you can keep scratching the surface. And when you're, when your are examples, uh, aren't uh, like. Of things you think no, are bedrock true. Yes. And, and I feel like that a lot of that, what that means then is sometimes even the most basic assumptions about a narrative that we've been told, even they need to be questioned because there may not even be a single Great example. But I will say for the Gardasil, a lot of lesbians out in California, did they have to get the HPV? I mean, what's the transmission mechanism? Interesting. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like you're yeah. saying it's not a choice, but what if you're just like, look, I, there is, I'm at zero, I'm a totally celibate person. Right. Like I am at Doesn't absolute matter. zero risk of that. As you know, it's, a, it's I, would
0: you have to? It's called the cancer prevention um, bill or something. You know, and again, it's my issue has become medical freedom and medical choice, which we are increasingly not getting um, for many, many reasons. And I think that this particular mandate, college students, and and across the military, everywhere, medicals, um, staff, personnel, it it tramples, um, it it has set a precedent. It has set a precedent. And it's gotten us used to, um, being made to be afraid and then taking a product that in this case has no long-term safety. data.
1: Yeah. And, and they, the stepping stone to some of the more like broader based technocratic um, devices. I just did a show today earlier with Ian Davis, who is, he just writes great articles, great books. He's in, um, off guardian is where I usually read him, but He, the thing I talked to him today about was the central bank digital currency and, and that, yeah. Horrifying. It's going to be based, there's two ways to do it, but obviously the way they're going to do it is going to be based on a digital ID. And I think the VAX was the prototype to that. Having like, don't touch money was a, was, you know, a COVID stepping stone to that. Remember the money shortage? There was all this big chain shortage. You remember that? Totally bizarre, yeah. and even the stimulus, the loans that they were creating, they were saying there was you know a financial crisis that couldn't be dealt with in the normal way, and it introduced, according to Ian, and and I verified it in other sources, a uh, a, a, a new a totally unprecedented paradigm shifting move by the Fed, where instead of letting commercial banks lend money to businesses and people, uh, the Fed would buy assets, stocks and bonds, I guess you would call it, you know, probably from other entities and just directly infuse the money into the system without any commercial bank, stepping stone, resting place. I don't know what, uh, you know, supply and demand mechanism. I really don't know. But the point was that that was seems like a step towards the CBDC, which would be money going directly from the Fed to your credit card and i just feel like so many things that came out of this pandemic were really meant to feed into the, our technocratic future and that uh, and the digital id is the foundation of it and i would say the 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 vaccine mandate is is the biggest justification for that that they use so it's not just your medical freedom right it's
0: all your freedom it's everything and and i think that there were some really For them, great pilot programs like at um, uh, UC Irvine, they had what was called the Zot Pass. So kids had all their information in their phone. They had to take their temperature. They couldn't pass from here to there. They had to be up to date. My kids did all that. Yeah. Oh, gosh. All my
1: kids, even at the private schools. Wow. As a matter of fact, the public school. so my son who has Down syndrome goes to public school. My other two kids went to two different private schools, which is unusual. So they went to like these two competing high schools. And- the, the high schools have totally different reputations. They have different administrations. Their policy was in lockstep. As a matter of fact, even some of the language in the emails were, were wow. identical. So I'm certain it came from that. Um, I think I might even have seen evidence of it coming from like this in network of independent schools. I forget what mm-hmm. it's called, but it's like the private schools are part of that. But the public school, and I I might have mentioned this to you before, I credit. It's funny because California has that history of like parents advocating for the you know rights of kids like they as a libertarian I would never go into a public institution that I don't think should exist <laughs> and self-righteously demand things like I've completely neutered myself because I don't believe in the institution of public school. But you're using yet. one. Yeah. Well, because yeah. my son has Down syndrome, and right. because. Of a variety of policies, there are no private schools for people who have Down syndrome anymore. It was the integration thing. When they started trying to integrate children with Down syndrome, they shut down the schools. Mm. And it's just kind of like when JFK said no more, you know, I I think he was probably well-intentioned, but it was a terrible idea, no more orphanages. And then like the... The abortion, you know, that happened to coincide with the you know, <laughs> legalizing abortion not that long after. And Down's kids have like an almost 100% rate of abortion because there's no orphanages to put them in. So there are no, I could not find a private place to put them if I wanted to, yet because the laws here, the way people have advocated for their students in the past, like they have to find a place for a kid like him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, I, and I feel like they were very... There's was a lot of resistance to when Newsom was suggesting the mandates and stuff. We got an email from our principal saying, "Anyone who correctly fills out this form will will be given an exemption." Which was oh, early in the process. That's it was amazing, great. and I feel like there was just there's something about the culture where people somebody feel stood like up. They own the public schools, and yeah, so that was much better than the private schools where it was a terrible, terrible experience for that, for that. But they, they had, we had the passes, the health passes. My son had to take, I think like a hundred COVID tests at least. I mean, it makes me kind of want to cry, but you know, I, I was one person who I I totally respect people's choice to make those compromises under complete coercion. If you were being judged by St. Peter, like, you know, if you want to commit a mortal sin, you have to have to be full consent of the will. You cannot be under duress. So people make these trade offs and I don't I don't hold them morally culpable for it. And who am I? I didn't have to do any of that.
0: Yeah, I you were the, I think this is off the topic, but I think you were the one when you get to the pearly gates and they said, you know, you're like, well, I chose the lesser of two evils. And you're like, wait a minute, you chose an evil? Like what? <laughs> yeah, right. Like ding,
1: ding, ding. Like um, loser. Well, same, but, but I was thinking about,
0: I was thinking about the testing. Um, You know, it's not only just the, they're, they're under EUA too, right? So you have this wow, repeat. Are they
1: really? Yeah. yeah no, I didn't yeah. like that. And, and
0: not that it matters because, you know, even if they had been quote approved, I mean, I don't think those tests weren't developed for, you know, somebody to take a hundred of them. I know. Right. And so you have this yeah, repeated exposure to your And so, you know, there's this one young um, woman named Phoebe Liu who was disenrolled from um, UConn. She got an exemption. It was very confusing to her that she had to keep testing or something. They told her she didn't. And then um, they said she must. And then when she looked at the test kit, it said experimental use only for um, DNA collection. On The test kit, like you know, she has pictures of it. She's brought it to the board there. She's like, I'm not taking this, and then she did all this research on the test. And you know, I, I really admire her, she's really stood up for herself at great personal cost. Um, but yeah, these it's this has been a horrible oral deal, um, particularly for captive populations that are either in a school, whether it's grade school, um, high school, yeah, college, very
1: low risk. Very low risk, very high cost, very low risk. Yeah. There would never, you had to really coerce them with very high cost. And I'll tell you what contributed to my approach to this is that I, I'm the youngest of nine. I was raised. Wow. Uh, my father was a bit of a rebel. And he was very staunch libertarian, always, I guess traditional conservative, classical liberal, like those were normal, you know, expressions that he was. It didn't seem as crazy then. But he was really against um he, he, he didn't want me. To, so I was telling the story early today. He and I was basically at the top of my class in high school, more or less. And it was public school. wasn't like the hardest thing in the world, but he encouraged me to drop out of high school. And I really, I, I really, I was very academic. Like it really did not make sense for me to drop did out. Did you do school. it? Yeah. And wow. yeah. Why, why and did he want
0: you to drop out? Cause he just didn't. He want just you thought, get-
1: it's a way. It, why? It was really slightly more complicated in that he absolutely did not want me to go to college. He thought there was absolutely no reason to finish high school if you're not going to college. And I said, "Well, what if I could get into Harvard?" And he said, "Man, they'll make you a socialist, but at least a, you know you probably get a good job." This is
0: a and great
1: story. So I went to the guidance counselor, and I was like, um, "She, she encouraged me to apply to the summer program at Harvard, and I got in." but by the skin of my teeth and it was a thousand dollars and there was no financial aid and there was, I didn't have a thousand dollars. She probably would have paid it out of her own pockets, to be honest. But I, I said, look, is it easier or harder to get into Harvard than it is to get into the summer program? She says, it's a little harder to get into Harvard. And I said, well, I'll probably go in there and fall on my face. I go to this public school. Those people are probably going to, you know, outshine me. And then I'll prove it's like no that way. old thing, like remain silent and be thoughtful and speak and remove all doubt." It's like, so I'm not doing it because whether I go or not, there's no way I'm getting into Harvard. And since that's the only place that, you know, I could kind of win the argument that it was worth going, I'm not doing that. And since I'm not going to college, I'm, I'm out. And really, she was devastated. Um, miss Burroughs because I had a bunch of older brothers and sisters who all dropped out of that school, but they were stoners. And I was like very good, a student and she felt it looked like a failure on their part when I left. So, Wait, so later,
0: did, did your dad want you to go to work? He wanted me to
1: be an entrepreneur, do some right. kooky real yeah. estate investing, whatever you know, just like work for myself and all of yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, go on with your story. This is yeah. fascinating. So, so, so I like be on your podcast. It's funny, you know, yeah, they it's get a to funny to listen to you. Unusual story. They're very sweet, but I just so I so my mother was not as, as a comfortable with that as my father, she was pretty upset. And then what did she so say I, in your
0: mother voice?
1: Oh, she. Says, I don't know, George. She's, I, she's, a, she did so good on those tests. I think that maybe she would, I think it might be worth it if she would go to college. So, but, but I didn't and I moved out. I, I left home and we had a little religious dispute. I, I went, um, I stopped going to mass and he said, "Well, you, you, because I was, I lived a debauched lifestyle," and I said, "Well, I'm not going to mass." And he said, "Go to mass next Sunday or move out by next Sunday." And I was like, "Oh, you did not raise me to take an ultimatum like that and lying down." So I was gone. I was out of there. Wow. And so we had a bit of a rift. But I was, I definitely never felt any compunction about not going to college. And then after a year of just floating around and trying on this entrepreneurial thing, which didn't really work out. My, my...
0: What are you like, was, 18 now? You're 18 Yeah, years I was old?
1: not quite. So I, I started thinking, oh, are we drinking?
0: Yes, it's time for the no mandate, oh. no brony. Oh, good. So You're I'll the- just tell
1: you my stories. <laughs> then we'll just have some fun. <laughs> yes, go okay. ahead. So I'd been holding off. So I was very sensitive to, like, I was always the youngest in my class. And I, I felt like you don't want to be left back. There was a stigma to that. So I, I was out of school for a year and I talked to my mom. I mean, I probably talked to her once in that entire time. I'd left, oh. moved away. And she she said, Well, you know, I talked to Miss Burroughs and she said, There's this community college program, and somebody went there, went to Harvard from there. So if you came back, she could get you in that program and they'll get you into Harvard and you and you'll be the same age as your class. So I was like, mm, okay. So I came back and I uh, went to the community college, and I did transfer to Harvard as a junior. And they I know that it. story about you. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that was cool. But but my father was so anti everything establishment, and for many years after that, I then I became an investment banker. I went right. to Stanford Law School and Business School, and I I you know I had nice clothes, and I just I was I I felt satisfied. You know, I felt like I had achieved something cool briefly. I mean, I didn't like, I wasn't, I didn't have that corner office and I'll, I'll never look good in a pencil skirt. Like my absolute fantasy did not come true, <laughs> but I, you know, I did good enough and well enough. And so, uh, I, and now I'm like full circle. I'm like he. He shouldn't have told me to start a business. He should have told me to buy a farm. (laughs) You know, like I should have just. We should have just bought a farm, and I, I should have learned something. I learned how to do something, whatever. And I just decided after that that you can't really force a young person into like true enlightenment, especially in our terrible culture. So the one thing I did was I sent them to this really offbeat, very small, super religious Catholic school, but very, um, like they did a lot of music. Like they did things that had value they'd learned Latin. And I was just like, I don't care if the kids go to Latin mass, but like if they learn Latin by the time they're in eighth grade, that's more than I ever learned in any class by the time I was in eighth grade. So I, I, and I felt that the cultural surroundings of the kids would play into my values without me having to force them to, right. d- to derail them. And I also did not want to neuter them as effective members of society. So there's the Benedict option where you can just drop out completely and get your farm or whatever. But that's like kind of a, per- you know, it's, it's, it could be a permanent choice and maybe we need to stay and fight. So I gave my kids the choice and I was like, you can, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I think money while well, it might not be green it will still like make the world go round and and if you have no way of getting money you might not really be able
0: to might not have choices
1: yeah and you might you know you you might be fine and you might have kids who are fine but are we really here to just exist you know i feel like you in that i but i'm not as active as you are but i just i feel like we we have to fight for what you know, for, for our rights, you know, rights It's party, <laughs> but, but how do, how you're going to fight that fight? Like, I don't feel like my, I've had different views of that along the way. And I just didn't want to impose that on my kids. And I, and for different, so my son chose to not be vaccinated, but stay at the school, even though there were restrictions involved, mm-hmm. like the testing, my daughter, it takes a lot of courage wouldn't do that. And then, but now she's turned around. So she's super excited. She's hoping that they lift the like booster mandate from her school. So, you know, they come around, but it was, it's a terrible like health risk and stuff. And I, and I was fortunate enough to be on the union of the unwanted when there would be naturalists there and doctors there. And in the chat, you would just ask them, like, I know somebody has to get vaccinated. It still makes me kind of cry a little bit. And you know, what can I do? And they would say,
0: yeah, and, and you know, I wanna like just take I can understand why that's an emotional thing. I mean, take a moment and think about this. I know someone who has to get vaccinated. Like we've we've gotten so used to a vaccine mandate. Like somebody who has to put a needle into their body and it, it feels um it feels like such an aggressive attack on our humanity. Yeah. Um well, no, but I think that, you know, what it reflects is that um It it reflects an oppression. It reflects an oppression where you are put in a position of, you know, and some people feel very desperate. They didn't want their children to get these products. They didn't want themselves to get these products. And, you know, I'm really fortunate. I had a choice. You know, I I don't work for anyone. I was able to not get it. Um, and I remember suffering over that. I remember my son just finally just said, mom, just get it. So you can go. Ah, right. Oh and he God, was just like, no. whatever. But, you know, and he he took the um, J- J&J um, when the mandate came down, because I did not know that wow. all we had to do. I didn't know that wow. we could just get a religious exemption. And here's yeah. the problem with that whole paradigm. We were talking about it today in our meeting. Are we going to run out of time, by the way? No. We really, yeah, okay. Mean. We were talking about that in our, we this had is our local. time
1: now. We got like the business out of the way Okay, and we can even <laughs> just keep this live and local and put the, the first 45 minutes. Of the Wait, meeting. I might have
0: some things to, I had some notes I wanted to make. Um, oh, anyway, okay, go for it. But back, like we were in the, we had a huddle today with Kim to talk about, you know, what we really need to cover in this panel. We were talking about exemptions. And I said, the problem with saying that, well, the college mandates, but hey, they grant all religious exemptions. So don't worry about it. The problem with that is that you, you're, you're saying you give approval to a system that is, it requires you to opt out. Now, not everyone asking for a quote religious exemption, whatever that is, is sincere. So you're asking a certain amount of population to protect their health by being disingenuous. That is that's like a that's a, an insult to somebody's character and to the way you think. And in part of the and, and this is so endemic in the college leaderships now is that they are teaching these people. and I'm kind of veering off here, but. They're teaching these young people by example, these people who are going to be leaders in business, leaders in government, leaders in social movements. Um, like it or not, these are the people getting trained to lead our our country, whatever that's gonna look like in ten years or five years, but they're being trained by example that we can take away your rights, your right of choice, your right to inform consent. We can coerce you and propagandize you and that is how you will then think it's okay to lead people and so it's it's just bad all the way down and i think of that a lot and it's um it's it's very troubling and i think particularly and people say well they don't feel sorry for college kids right because you know these are elite kids you know because they're going to college you know they can just stop they don't have to go whatever Do you want to live in a country, in a society that requires you to get a higher education, whatever you think of that education at this point in time, which I don't think very much of myself. I never thought I would say that. You know, I'm like, I was all about the Ivy League, everything You're very well
1: educated. So
0: that is something that I I would make
1: fun of, like my education and stuff. And I, I had a few people call me out and say, no, you did get you, even if it was just by virtue of being in the circles of people who... Know how to articulate things mm-hmm. and think, and you know so,
0: so there is real value in, in some of that. Well, Naomi Wilf writes so eloquently about when she got to Yale that it was um, and I could never do it justice because she's such a good writer, um, that it's this magical club that all of a sudden you're, you, you look around. and I mean, I grew up on a street called Pigtail Alley. You I've know, seen, I, I saw the you seen the picture, so and I did not paint that picture. You and, did. you know, my mother didn't graduate high school because she was from a very poor family. And so she had to quit and go to, to work as, you know, a 16 year old. And I was the first person to go to college, whatever, you know, and it, and so it is this like you feel like you've arrived when you get into, you get on those places. But anyway, my point is <laughs> that people don't feel sorry for college kids, but do you want to live in a country where you go and get, you know, this next step of education, you work really hard to get there and they say, Hey, welcome. Thanks for coming. Roll up your sleeve. You're going to get this injection that you do not need because these, this population never needed the shot that may harm you because, you know, lots of kids are getting myocarditis or neurological disorders. And these things were well-known in the clinical trials, but Oh, by the way, we didn't share them because we wouldn't have either unless Aaron Seary represented some scientists that said, FDA, you have to turn over these documents that belong to the public, right?
1: I I read the FDA uh, approval documents and it had the phase five
0: trial talks about myocarditis.
1: So when people say it wasn't in there, I'm like, I I was, well, I showed my kids. I was like, this is what that is.
0: The post-marketing survey from Pfizer.
1: Uh, it was when they went from the uh, emergency use
0: authorization to, to the approval, proving COVID oh, be, right. Which, which that was long after. Oh, it was, when they did the okay, when Pfizer did their trials. They took that trial data and they submitted it to the FDA for approval for right. emergency use approval. When a drug is submitted to the FDA and is approved, those documents belong to we the people. There are documents we should be able to FOIA them and get them. So um, uh, some scientists and doctors said, we want those documents. So they foia the FDA and the FDA said, well, we can't give them to you for 75 years. It'll take us that long, right? So Aaron Seary's student got them. So, and, and so you can look at those documents and they knew about a lot of adverse events in those trials. And so they were not disclosed even at the time of like April, 2021, where these kids were starting to get mandated to take these products. So you have a myocarditis risk, you have neurological problems. And then also there has been widespread menstrual disruption. Um, There was a study of sperm donors in Israel that suggested that there was sperm count depression, suppression and sperm count motility problem. Now people will say, oh, those things resolve. Well, maybe they do, but maybe they don't. So right. why would you wholesale mandate a young pr- population of reproductive age to get a product that there's even a hint of a question might impact their fertility? I'm not saying it will, but the fact that we don't know and they don't need the product right. and it doesn't protect their professors because it doesn't pr- stop transmission. Yes. I mean the-
1: that's the crazy. Now that was the thing that I had seen in when I looked at the original trial data. Now it didn't say, or the original emergency use authorization stuff from the FDA, it didn't, <clears throat> it didn't actually state it that way. But if you read the numbers, like you just read the numbers, and it shows you like this many people got it in this group, and this many people got it in this group, and you could just see that it didn't stop. It tracing. didn't do
0: that. It, it it wasn't really trialed for that. And and. Yeah, and and the justification for mandates and the justification for for telling everyone you know keep getting these shots um, was based on that, right? Excuse me, and it didn't work, right? So you had colleges that mandated in April of 2021. By summer that year, they were bringing bas- back masks to campus because anyway they were having outbreaks. And then, so that what do they do next? They don't say, "Well, I guess that didn't work." They say, right. "Hmm." Maybe we should have a booster. So let's yeah. give this shot again. You know, I mean, oh, I mean,
1: I, my observation—totally anecdotal—the widespread uh, distribution of the vaccines was always followed by a spike in the in the illness. So, um, but yeah, if you go back and look at those numbers, I mean, they were not compelling of having any effects whatsoever. And there was so much funny business with that. But, but regarding something you said earlier, uh, with religious exemptions, I agree with you. They have absolutely no right to require you to assert that you don't want to do it and give a reason like that's outrageous. But I, the only reason I would ever give in the religious stuff, which I had the occasion to kind of fill forms out and stuff is that it was against my conscience to subject my child to that kind of a risk. I was like, you can call it a medical exemption or not, but I, in good conscience, and that was God's honest truth, could not consent to that. So,
0: uh
1: also, I knew a, uh, a woman, a listener who I love, she was pregnant with her fifth child, and her husband was a soldier, and and he, mm. I mean, they were in deep, and there was absolutely no way he was going to just be able to drop out, and so he he had to get all vaxxed up. She said he just slept in a different room for you know, until he was shipped out and then he was pretty quickly shipped out. Like he had to do it. There was no delay and they, it was just terrible for them, but I understand it. You know, I understand why people did that like that. It, it, it's not bad. Whatever choice you made, like is, that's not the bad. The bad is that they, you that were forced we are, to make that choice. Yes. In this country and, and the, and that network, like where we started out from the beginning, talking about the network of the universities and the corporations and the government, like for, and, and Holding in the power to tax, the power to enforce, um, like Austria was considering, all of those things wrapped up together, and it's um, it wasn't quite inescapable because I escaped it, but it,
0: but it I, wasn't I, it was, it was inescapable high. for many many people. Yeah, you know, I mean, I know a lot of right. I mean, and so what do you do if you you have to put food on the table? What do you do, whether you want this product or not? And yeah, I, like what you—the point you made about like it's government funded, and the money goes to pharmaceutical companies. They develop a product, they make bazillions of dollars from this product oh, yes. because the government that approved the product is now mandating the product and and and, and subsidizing its
1: purchase. Right, on top right. Of the research. And so,
0: my question throughout this whole thing has been: Where is Antifa? Like, yeah, where is? I mean, what yeah. is fascism? Right, yeah you know, like governmental I
1: mean, continuum. Yeah.
0: Yes. So it's um, it just blows my mind that people did not in that sphere wake up. I, I don't understand how the left and I, I don't even yes. like to, I don't like to use the word left. I know, I know. I don't know what it means, I but I don't understand how those previously were anti-corporate interests, were anti-war, were pro-freedom of choice. Um, what happened to them? They just fell right into the pharmaceutical embrace, like with no yeah. questions asked. And it, I, I still don't understand it.
1: So um, the basket. So I, I. So there's the basket of deplorables that Hillary. Oh yeah,
0: I couldn't. I is, couldn't believe I was one. I mean, I was. Yeah, such a I know. Left, I, 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 I was, I was have, such a lefty yeah. liberal Planned Parenthood. But-
1: yeah, everything, you know? In my, you know, I'm not, I don't own everything in the basket, but if I'm in a basket, that's it. But the other basket, I call it, I coined the basket of irrationals because in that basket, because that's LA, that is the basket of LA. And they will tell you like, I have to accept everything in this basket or I'm not allowed in the basket, which isn't true for the deplorables. And what is in that basket is self-avowed communism, uh, Radical, radical uh, abortion position. Where, yeah, like, what is the just,
0: abortion? What, what's the position yeah. like post delivery? What's Dude, going? Pretty really close. I saw that I voted, and against, I'm, I'm speaking now in in my only like I'm not not in any kind of official capacity. I don't have a position on this. No,
1: no, no. But, and you even know. the abortion, I would never even talk about it because I knew it was like such an emotional issue. But it's so out of hand out here. So there was a constitutional amendment proposed out here where abortion. State
0: constitution.
1: Yes, there's no chance that abortion was ever going to be illegal in California, no matter what Roe versus Wade said. No, I think it was a prototype for the federal amendment that they're probably going to propose, and it was something. You guys
0: explored everything.
1: It was uh, everything from not smoking to like that. I should have known I, when I I moved out to California, they banned smoking and I was like, I got to get back to New York. And then they banned smoking in New York. Did you smoke? I don't don't smoke now, but
0: I did smoke then. Oh, I used to
1: smoke too, and I'm so oh, glad. I, I mean, every yeah, New me year
0: I'm like, wow, I'm so glad I don't have to quit smoking.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I just, I love thing. not smoking. I love it, but right. I didn't. But anyway, so easy they banned smoking be. because you, so, because they're so, like
0: Monica's moving in. Let's they do. Oh, that was
1: so so unfortunate the whole New York thing when they did that. But but the constitutional amendment which just passed, even though I actually you know don't even believe in voting, I got off my butt to vote against it, was something so simple that it seemed obvious, but it was basically you know, you have the unrestricted right to abortion, which, which, you know, on demand. So it kind of was like, it didn't say anything at all. And by not saying anything at all, I forget the exact word. So definitely don't quote me. That's not it. But it, the implication was from people who analyzed it from an anti-abortion perspective was that it, you could have an abortion at any time during pregnancy, people could come in from other states and get it. And that it would all be paid for with tax dollars, so, it and the, the the constitutional amendments that had more words in them in some other states were actually somewhat like more restrictive, but I felt like the California's one, which is like old school, like in our in our early US constitutional amendments, they're just a couple of lines and like the later they got all super wordy. It's just a couple of lines, but they're very scary lines. But that basket is communists, they self-avowed communists, um, extreme abortion advocates, and uh, vax Nazis in the same yeah. basket of irrationals. Like they have the hands off my body bumper sticker. And I just, I just like want to put a, you know, a vax with a line through it. Right. And I just <laughs> glue it
0: right yeah. next to it. That's exactly right. And I, I just want to make that point about the um, incredible disconnect and hypo- hypocrisy, whatever your position on Roe v. Wade And is it Dobbs or the, you know, the, the, the ruling that kicked it back to the States, whatever your position on that. Once that happened, colleges were very vocal about medical choice, bodily autonomy. They would put out statements. They were up in arms like colleges. And these were the very same colleges that were mandating vaccination and you can't have it both ways. Right. And, and so like, if I believe in bodily autonomy, I have to, it, I think abortion is a very tricky issue. It's yeah, I get so it, nuanced yeah. and very tricky. And,
1: it can easily um, come down to just a religious question, like of Right, soul.
0: right, exactly. And I think that that's a very hard thing to litigate. Um, but all of that aside, the the people that were so bent out of shape about bodily autonomy were the very same people who were coercing and and shaming and forcing somebody to give up their bodily autonomy for a product they did not need, that didn't protect the community. I can't, I can't emphasize this enough. Didn't need, didn't protect grandma or the old professor of chemistry and, you know, has potential bad side yeah. effects, you know, yeah, I, and unknown still un- unknown. And, and unknown long-term side effects. Still, um, so, and I
1: think we're seeing some of it. They're going to cover it up, but it's, I feel like well, we it's can see it's, some it's, trends. Oh, because of long COVID now.
0: Which I'm not well, saying. I think doesn't there's exist. cancer
1: trends. I think there's yeah. there's some these weird, radical, strange, unusual cancers that are diagnosed at stage four out the gate.
0: You know, that's when yeah. This is why I I call I, the I, again, I don't know the data on no, that. No, I, I know you don't. Comment. I'm sorry.
1: I'm so no, I'm fast okay. and loose. No, you serious? I,
0: I love how fast and loose you are. Oh I just um, I try to really, really stay in my lane um, about that. And I think and that's why the argument is so simple. It's so simple. These kids don't need it. They shouldn't have made, been made to get it. Um, you know, period. The period. Full stop. So let's. Um,
1: I don't like to. It, it is serious, and I, I don't want to um, impugn your credibility in any way. So I suggest that. We wrap up the okay. broadcast portion of this conversation before I finish my cocktail and okay but I um, want to make sure I but got I, everything yes I, I want to make sure to. you get everything so let's let's get um, get back okay. to
0: business and then we can wrap it up. Okay great. Um, I want to just say a couple more things about the Dartmouth event. Um, it will be live streamed If you happen to be in New England um, there are still a very limited amount of dinner tickets available. Um, you get in to see Aaron Siri. Um, Robert Kennedy Jr. will be there. It's a small venue, um, you know. It's, and if you really want to, you know, pony up, we have a donor cocktail party for a thousand dollars. Is he going to be there? It, yes, Um, but that's not really the point of the event. But oh, a lot sorry. of people <laughs> want to. No, but a lot of people oh want. To, um, really? I,
1: not for me. <laughs> I'm asking come? for a friend, oh, quite literally.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fly in. That would be fun. No, Um, you know, he is our very special guest at those events. Um, but the most important thing, too, is you will get to talk to the panelists and be in community with people who are curious and who are learning something. And the Hanover Inn has it has good food and drinks, et cetera. But if you want to come to the event, just go to our website. Are you going to put that in the show notes? Okay. Um, and so you can still get a ticket. If you well, can. Is it make the React 19?
1: It, Tell me what it is and I'll put it in there. I,
0: React 19. The yeah. React19.org backslash dart. D A R T C nineteen, and that will get you there.
1: It did not. That did not work for me. Now I could try a different browser, but I would double check that. Okay. I'll edit this out. But
0: all right. Um, anyway, I'll get you the, the website. But um, so tickets are still available until like very early next week, unless we sell out. Um, but if you can't make it and you want to support the effort, there are two ways you can do it. You can sponsor a student. We're trying to get as many students in seats as possible. And uh, the way that we feel we can do that and give them the benefit of hearing Aaron Siri speak is to sponsor them for dinner. So you can buy a sponsor. There's an option, sponsor a student. And when you do that, we will put up your college banner on a wall to show that it's not just about Dartmouth. So if you wanted to, well, we have I a could lot of represent.
1: Harvard. I could, yeah, I could throw a Harvard and a Stanford one up there, We You could, could
0: yes. All of them. Um, <laughs> so that's what we're going to do. And um, we have, you know, we have a bunch of students now who have been underwritten. We're, we'd love to have more. So a sponsor a student, or you can just make a full out donation. Can you um, give us and, a number
1: on the sponsor a student?
0: Um, we're heading toward two um, tables, which are 20. Um, okay. Okay. It's so it's, it's a small, you know, it's a small venue really, yeah. but, um, we'd like to get as many students at the dinner as right. possible. So maybe I mean, get, we have, you
1: know, a group together and,
0: uh, pitch in. Yeah. Or just sponsor a student, you know, I mean, I don't okay. mean to, if, if that's in your, um, if that's in your budget, are um, you saying $20 will, or $20,000? It's You said
1: sponsor a table. Oh, a table. <laughs> You said to you, oh, you know it no, no, a table no,
0: no. and that's I was like I I've been to events where a table is like twenty thousand. <laughs> no, a table. is <laughs> so I was just like, oh, <laughs> oh no, that's not. I, I misunderstood you. A table is three thousand dollars. Right, three hundred dollars okay. a ticket. Um, some of that is tax deductible. The proceeds go to React Nineteen. Um, that's but totally yeah, we will.
1: Reasonable. Yeah, we I'm will
0: accommodate 19. as many students as we yeah, possibly that's can. Great. Yeah, awesome. Um, so that's a great way to help the cause and to start waking up students. We really want to get the movable middle there so that they can open their mind and learn something. Um, we're very sad that Dartmouth won't be there to support their mandate position. However, we're going to go forward with the discussion because we feel like it's it's crucial that we do it.
1: Well, I am definitely going to sponsor at least two students so that I can have my two alma mater <laughs> represented on Woo-hoo. your on your wall, which I think will be cool. Maybe you'll get like every single Ivy League school will have a... You know, oh, I think we will. Your logo up there. Uh, so that's awesome. I will definitely, definitely contribute. I will check that out. We will put everything in the show notes, which is monicasdeepdives.com will be where the show notes are for the show. We'll put them up as soon as we can. The event itself is April 26th. Did you say it starts at 3.30 p.m. Eastern? That's at at 3.30, yes. And if people wanted to stay alert uh, to the live stream, which I will tweet the link at, is the live stream starting at 3.30? Or is that yes. just when you're... Personal
0: activities. Okay. Great. It's live. Nice. We probably won't live stream. The RFK
1: thing is like, wow.
0: Well, and 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 also just the panelists that are coming, the the amount of uh, Yes. And and I have to tell you that these people are, I mean, they're all volunteering their time. I mean, we're paying for them to get there, but everyone is working. Without pay for this, because they believe in the cause. These are esteemed science. I, I think I didn't mention yeah. Todd Zwicki is also going to be on the panel. Oh no, He's you a Dartmouth didn't. alum. He's a constitutional law professor at nice. George Mason. He sued George Mason oh, over goodness. his natural immunity. He like there are so at many two, George people. Mason at two because <laughs> George exactly Mason it. is like
1: a, a libertarian thing. Right, the right man, but they were the mand- man they was a right. Yeah, but George Mason is, is like yeah. a, you know, has a little nest of libertarians. And May, Mason himself was the one who is credited for the Bill of Rights.
0: See, you know everything, Monica.
1: I know that. And that's outrageous that they should. They were mandating.
0: They should, uh, all of these schools, all of these schools that are mandating, bad. it's outrageous because bad, bad. It, it defies logic. It's the basket of illogical, well, is that what you call it?
1: Irrationals, the basket of irrationals. irrationals. It defies uh, logic for the information that they're willing to acknowledge. It's totally logical when you when you follow the money.
0: Oh, yeah, because that's something we haven't even covered. But yeah, there is a lot yeah. of money being made here. But I think also at the university level, to be fair, when these first things first rolled out, They were scrambling to try to make their campuses as safe as possible. Um, I will give them the benefit of the doubt. They had to shut down. They had to do like crazy stuff because they believed that you need to socially distance quarantine and all that. When the vaccines came along, I do think they saw it as a way to get back to normal. And they also are very used to relying on public health data. They they trust these institutions. This is
1: unprecedented,
0: yes. Right, they trust these institutions. The fact that they still appear to trust them is very troubling to me.
1: There might have been changes at the administrative level because that's what I think about when you go to the hospital. Uh, Every single person there is post-purge. So all the nurses in the ER, I had to go to the ER for something, all the nurses... Were vaccinated, and anybody who wouldn't get vaccinated were gone. So when I right. said no, they were pissy,
0: and I yeah. was like,
1: I, "They're like you should do some reading." I was like, "You should do some reading." Right? No, it's a, it's the same
0: in the it's the same in the military. It's really a litmus test. I mean, yeah, but it's a but it's a sieve.
1: Like it's already right. been applied. It's a caste right. system, and you know you're not you're no, you're no Brahmin.
0: So right. I just and feel like it, yeah and and that also affects decision making going forward and it's what's been happening in universities for decades yes. if yes. somebody conservative ages out they bring in a liberal person and so they have all this diversity of immutable characteristics of skin color of <laughs> yes. whatever i mean they have all this diversity yes. but but they don't countenance diversity of thought and this is why we are in the mess we're in because we can't have a conversation yeah you know and And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to have a conversation that's reasonable and reach the movable middle so that we don't end up in this position again, where we take away wholesale rights from people and propagandize them and make them, you know, victims of this.
1: So, uh, I agree. Like it's easy to let down your guard now that there's some, you know, some, some break in the action, but, uh, I feel like your event, like it's, and what I meant by like the RFK thing is huge. is just because it raises the profile. That's really what I meant. I mean, it, not, oh, he's going to change.
0: Yeah, he's going to yeah. change the conversation on the national yeah. stage. I mean, yes. that's what's that's what's yes. whatever. That's like, I don't even know his positions on yeah, um, yeah. like the, a lot of think? the key <laughs> issues that are very important to me. But he will change the national conversation if he is allowed to, the same way Ron Paul changed yeah. the national conversation. Now, I think the media will try to shut him up they will not cover him they will do all the dirty tricks but if he can get if people if people can listen to him um, it'll change the conversation and we need that change of conversation so that we can start asking questions about pharmaceutical interests about you know all of these corruptions
1: and even if it is I, just one issue, it is yeah. arguably the most important issue of our time because it is stepping stone towards this totalitarianism. Yes. Yes. That it will it's change our, our way of life. Yeah.
0: It's a gateway. I didn't mean to get on my soap there, but no, it's, it's great. So, yeah. It's been so great to hang out with you. No,
1: it's hard. It's hard for uh, you know, I, I know you're very disciplined and I appreciate that <laughs> because it's important. I mean, a lot of these people, their credibility is what makes them so powerful. And you really can't like be fast and loose with science stuff when they're fighting that battle in that arena. Only. And that's why I like I'm a little loosey goosey, but you can't be.
0: No, I I try very hard to stay in my lane. I might have like slipped a little on this, but I've been under some strain. I get a little, you'll have to get a little break occasionally
1: and listen back. We'll see if we. Uh, we'll, you know, maybe we'll just keep it on YouTube, but anyway, we will talk offline and I'm going to say, um, goodbye, but you can, you're active on Twitter. It's at lady Spaulding with a U 11. Is that correct? At lady Spaulding 11. And we interact. And I think that's a great place to just stay in touch with what you're doing. And, uh, I'll also put all your links in the show notes at monicasdeepdives.com. And I thank you so much, Joni, for coming. And, uh, and it's and my just my pleasure. Been great. Yes. Thank you. All right. I'll say goodbye to everybody. Thanks so much. It ha- you have been listening to deep dives with Monica Perez.